Welcome to Continuum, a podcast dedicated to your health. We'll introduce you to individuals throughout the healthcare world, from patients to providers, with a focus on inspiration and education. In this episode, we are joined by Liz Zemke. Liz is an RN of over 40 years and an amputee of over 25 years, a volunteer amputee peer visitor at San Joaquin Valley Rehabilitation Hospital. Liz discusses the increasing number of new amputees. She also shares some of the unique challenges new amputees face and explains the importance of connecting new amputees to their peers. I want to thank everybody for joining us. We are talking about amputees today more specifically new amputees and who better to discuss that with us than Liz Zemke. Liz, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. I I have been an RN for 48 years. I've been an amputee uh, right below the knee amputee for almost 25 years. And at San Joaquin Valley Rehab, I'm a volunteer and I'm a peer visitor uh, and the and the reason I'm a peer visitor is because I've been an amputee for almost 25 years now, and an RN, which helps the helps the conversation, I think, with the new amputees. Um, we get new amputees come over to the hospital approximately two to four days after their amputation. From the acute, re, uh, from the acute hospital, and then we put them through uh, seven to ten days to up to fourteen days usually of rehab and getting them ready for wearing a prosthesis in the five to six weeks post amputation. Okay, great. Well, Liz, thanks again for talking to us today. All right, so now when a new amputee comes to SJV Rehab, uh, obviously they are there to basically learn how to be an amputee. What is your role in all of that? The hospital notifies me if I don't already know them because sometimes the doctors refer a patient over and say, uh, before they even get to the acute hospital and say that I, I'm going to be doing an amputation on, you know, such and such person. So I might be following them through the hospital and then and then refer them over and get them into San Joaquin. Okay. But typically, I'll get notified that we have a new amputee at the hospital and then I come in as a volunteer and walk them through the process because I've been there, done that, you know? Sure, yeah. So it, yeah. Um, I help them through the process. I help them through the fears. I can answer questions about what they might be able to do and what they might not be able to do and how to better do it from a standpoint from my perspective anyway and and experience so some of the 
questions are pretty standard. It's like, when when am I going to get a leg? Everybody wants to know, well, when am I going to get a leg? Well, most everybody, without any complications, are going to get a leg in five to six weeks. Okay. So I can I can say that with pretty much confidence. Yeah. Um, can I drive again? And so we will go through the process of how you could adapt a vehicle and and the adaptive driving skills. Can I could I you know, walk again. Well, of course, you know, we can, if you were walking before, you know, we were, right. we're going to walk again. Yeah. So we, we just go through all of their fears and talk one-on-one and it helps because more than what I say to them is that they see me up and about walking and I don't have a limp and, I look normal, you know. Right. <laughs> so they see that, and it's real to them. So even if they had fears that they won't be able to walk again, oh, there's no way I'll be able to wear a leg. I won't be able to walk. You know, my life is over. Then they see that, oh, maybe my perceptions were Wrong. Right. Yeah. Inaccurate. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so, so those yeah. are some challenges. You know, you know, someone loses a leg, but you know, there have been patients that have lost multiple limbs, and I can imagine that the challenges and the concerns for them as they come into the hospital are, are a little bit more intense. Uh, can you speak to that? Certainly. So we have. Um we have several patients who technology is now able to save that we would have lost years ago. And we're seeing more and more sepsis, Mm. uh, for instance. And in saving the the patients with sepsis, many times they're losing multiple limbs. And so we we get them after their long hospital stay, and they're coming to rehab, and we're able to give them the same kind of hope that we give anyone with limb loss. But we also have more patients, more people in the community now who are living with multiple limb loss. And for instance, we have one of our previous patients, and and, in fact, she's back in the hospital now after being off of her uh, prosthetic limbs for a while. And she's got all brand new limbs and she's relearning how to walk. Oh. But she is a, a great, great resource to those who are coming in now with multiple limb loss because, again, they see her where she's positive, for one thing. She's wearing her prosthetic limbs. She's 
walking, using her arms, and is at ease with herself without her limbs on. Ah. And we helped do that. You know, Sam Joaquin, the peer visitors, other amputees, everybody has helped. The team has helped to, you know, help her be at at one with herself, so, you know, and to then go on and be motivating for everybody else that she comes in contact with. Right. So, so really, Liz, what I'm what I'm hearing is, is you know, yeah, we're the context is a rehabilitation hospital and the connotation there is to focus on mobility and, and all the physical attributes of limb loss. However, it, it the more I, I listen to you speak, especially in this person's case, uh, is that it's, it's also it, maybe just as much, maybe if not more, a mental uh, somewhat uh, um, conditioning, in a, oh, for lack of a better much. term. It's uh, very much that. It's, it's mental, it's social, and it's not that we, we then become this group of amputees that have to, you know, be with other amputees all the time. But we do have an amputee family. Right. And it, and for instance, um, one of our widows of an amputee still comes to the amputee support group. And she lends support to those caregivers of amputees. Okay, wow. And, you know, and and so she continues to be part of our family. And then we had an in-house support group last night in the hospital because we have four amputees in-house. And we all kind of gathered, and and this widow shows up. She came. Friends of other amputees came to gain support. How do I best interact with my amputee friend, family member, you know? And it becomes this connection so that they can call and this widow ended losing a niece last night to sepsis, unfortunately. Oh. And who does she call? Me, in the morning. Yeah. Because she knows that was safe. Right. You know, right. she could tell me, she could cry on the other end of the phone, and I'll understand yeah. And it's one of our family members, you know. It's yeah. so um, we just we get a better connection, and then even though they're in the hospital, once they leave the hospital, that doesn't end it. So there, it's not just the oh, I'm going to rehab and then I go home in 14 days. Great. Now I'm done. No. Now they stay on our database. We connect with them. We follow up. We make sure they get a prosthesis, that they're happy with it. Then we bring them back for phase two, which is 
post-prosthesis gait training. Yeah. And we still stay with them, connect with them. They're invited to support groups, the, our activities, gate clinics. So they're always a part, and they can always connect with us. Yeah. So, can, Liz, can you elaborate a little bit more on what phase two actually means for somebody who's, uh, you know, in this situation so or a caregiver? Yes, certainly. So we have phase one and phase two. And, and phase one is the typical, you come to the rehab, acute rehab, after you lose your leg. Okay, but it, it is five or six weeks at least before you get your leg or before you get your prosthesis. So then um, most insurances will approve, you know, at least 24 hours after you have your prosthetic, uh, your prosthesis, that you can come back into acute rehab if they have a program and that's a problem because San Joaquin is one of the few hospitals in California, actually. Wow, really? Between here and and L.A. and north to San Francisco that have a Phase 2 program. And the Phase 2 is a totally different rehab. Now you have your prosthetic leg, you have your prosthesis, and now it's time to learn to put it on, take it off, balance, walk with it, and do those activities that you are going to face in the home. I see. So when I find that it gains every it gives everybody motivation and confidence. So that's what you gain. You gain that confidence that you can then go home yeah. and go to the bathroom, walk down that hallway, and know that you're not going to fall because you have the techniques. You have the, you have the technology, and you know how to do it. You've done it, you know, time and time again with help, you know, and with encouragement, and now you can do it on your own. Okay, so so what I'm hearing basically, Liz, is is phase two is somewhat of an adaption of of what I would call in 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 a other sort of physical therapy settings occupational therapy. Is that a fair assumption? Yes, yes, but it, physical therapy is involved as well because you're still you're learning to balance. You're learning to walk with this new leg that's giving you messages to your brain from a part that it's never given messages before. Does that make sense? Yeah. So usually we get, you know, messages to our brain from two feet touching the ground, but we no longer have that touching the ground. So we've put an artificial, we've put a prosthesis in place, but the part of the the body that is giving messages is maybe right below the knee or above the knee or elsewhere. 
And so we have to learn to adapt to that. And it's much like walking on stilts. Okay. Or when you were roller skating as a kid or ice skating as a kid, and you took off your skates and you put on your shoes, and you still felt like you were two or three inches up off the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how we feel all the time. Right, right. So I, okay. And usually it's only on one side, so we right. always feel off kilter. Right. So yeah, I imagine yeah. that the if part of phase two as well is yeah that developing muscles that were not developed the uh, the uh, the same way before uh, the amputee occurred. So um, I guess it's up to the therapist to define you know, what part of the body they need to, to uh, emphasize on is. Uh, yes. You, okay. And we have to um, learn how to, um, I mean, we have to keep our upper body strong. We have to work on our core mm-hmm. so that we can stand up and sit down, you know, without assistance so we can get up off the floor. And and learn relearn all of these skills again, plus how to take care of that prosthesis, how to deal with, oh, um, fluid control because we tend to swell and uh-huh. and then we tend to um, lose tissue over time and shrink hmm. in our stumps and and so. That's all part of that phase two process, okay. and it's when to add socks and how to clean our liners and how to put on our liners and when we should wear shrinkers. And it's just a whole new world yeah. with a lot of language to learn besides the physical and then it's the emotional of, uh, okay, now what if I'm single and I'm dating? And, oh, my, yeah. Oh, goodness, when do I share this with somebody? And, oh, well, what if I have grandkids? And what are they going to be scared? So it's a lot of emotional. It's getting back to life. And yeah. how do we do that? You know? Yeah. And do we have to take that wheelchair with us? And then when do we... When do we get brave and walk without that walker? Right. And what happens when we're crossing the street for the first time? And, oh, my goodness, there's nothing to hold on to if you right. fall down. And then, so, I, so and, and also, what happens when I fall down, right? I exactly. Mean, yeah. And it's learning how to get up. And yeah. we have the strength to get up. Okay, so so Liz, I have one question. This is a little bit kind of going backwards in a sense, but I... I you brought it up a couple times and I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. Why does it take four five upwards of six weeks for uh, someone to actually get their prosthetic? Like what's involved with that, that it, that you're waiting okay. a month so and a half. There's healing involved because you have cut through an entire limb. Right. You've cut two bones. I mean, if you're a below the knee, you've cut two bones all the nerves, all the tissue. You've had to cut through a muscle, the major muscle, and tie that, bring that up, and tie it around. You know, it's a huge process. We 
you know, everybody kind of thinks, oh, wow, open-heart surgery, that's very major. But open-heart surgery doesn't cut through as much as right, right. when you're cutting off a limb. You yeah. know? So it's nerves, muscle, tissue, bones. Everything has to heal. And when you break a bone, hey, it takes six weeks to heal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not an unusual thought. But the other process that goes on is not only does this have to heal this major wound that we've got at the end of our residual limb, but we have to shrink tissues. There's major swelling involved because fluids tend to go south, right? Yeah. So every time we stand up, and we've traumatized an area anyway, so it fills with fluid and it gets very edematous. So these limbs right after surgery are probably twice the size that they are six I weeks see. from now. I see. So they so can't do any... So we have to shrink and we have yeah. to manage those limbs and that's part of rehab is wrapping in ACE wraps, is putting into shrinkers. Um, and then we also have to get shaped so that it is able to accept a limb and we have to almost desensitize it because it's very sensitive right after surgery. Sure, I can imagine. And we have to get it used to cold and hot and pressure because it's going to spend the rest of its life inside a very dark, tight place yeah. for 20 hours a day. You know, or however many hours we're awake. So, you know, so that yeah, so that brings up another thing. It's uh, uh, you know, there are athletes that lose limbs, and then there are people that live uh, relatively sedentary lifestyles. Or they, they're, um, I would call them an indoor kid. You know, kind of cool with just yeah. watching TV or putting together a puzzle. But the, but you have like seriously active people. So I, I would imagine that plays a factor into the prosthesis, like. So if I'm a patient, am I then, is there a consultation that where I kind of pick the prosthesis that I want for my lifestyle? Um, most insurance as well. In California, we have what's known as insurance parity or in the insurance fairness law so that all amputees can get one functional leg. Okay. And I mean, that may sound cruel or harsh or whatever, but it's actually appropriate because you will get the leg that is most appropriate to match your activities. Okay. Okay, so if I'm if I'm fairly active, which I am, so I'm very active and I can you know do some climbing and you know whatever, but I'm getting older. <laughs> You know, and I can run in this leg. So this, the leg that I am provided will do 99% of the stuff I want to do. Okay. And, and, and that is whether I'm on Medi-Cal, Medicaid, you know, if I have private insurance, whatever, they pretty much are under that ruling to give you 
something that's going to, you know, help you get back to life. Sure. Now, if I want to run and I run competitively, then there are foundations or private pay or sponsorships to buy blades. Yeah, I was good. That was where I was kind of going. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, you watch the Olympics and you see, you see some of these runners and they have like, it's like this beautiful piece of carbon fiber sculpted. And and they don't wear those legs when they're not running. I see. Okay. That's a special purpose. It puts you up on your toes so you can sprint. I see. Okay. You know, and then you put a, you put a, uh, a bottom on that on that blade and you have what's inside our feet okay <laughs> and and that allows you to roll off your heel roll off your toes yeah and walk normally okay so i okay yeah it's starting to make sense to me now how this all kind of and then you know and it, and it really um is it totally fair probably not because you know, our argument to most adjusters when they give us any kind of problem is, hey, do you wear the same pair of shoes? Right. You know, 24-7 for every activity. Do you wear the same pair of shoes to play basketball and to go to the opera? Really? Come yeah. on. We yeah. can't wear our same leg either. So, so for And a- yet you keep us on one foot. Yeah. So, so like, you know, for like three years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. If I'm, um, well, not me, because I'm a guy, but uh, I don't, I don't wear heels. Um, <laughs> just not my thing. Uh, you wear cowboy boots. But, but, but right. But but so so if I but for for a woman who does like to wear heels, uh, and then the next day flats, or even in the same day, there's a woman that works here. She wears heels in the morning and switches to flats in the afternoon. So if right. she had a prosthesis, she would effectively have either two prostheses or one that could handle like an. That is I, an adjustable height. I I see. And is the and they do the have those position different? Uh, whether they're sufficient or not, yeah. Is, Interesting. Okay. I yeah. just you don't but think exactly. about these things until so you I start. I have two or three legs I change off with. Okay. But, I, yeah, I just I, the, the I just keep. I I just keep coming up with questions. I'm sorry because it's just not that's you don't right. you don't think that's about right. this stuff until you talk you start talking talking it through. And how about swimming? Most of our legs oh, right. go in the water, so it's either a different leg which is going to be covered by insurance, or we have to somehow waterproof those legs. So wearing yeah. a garbage bag, which goes over big when you're you know, visiting the Hyatt Hotel or, you know, something <laughs> like that, and you're on vacation, you know, and then you take off your leg in a public pool and, you know, and have uh, hotel managers come out and say, oh, we don't want you to scare the kids. Right. That has happened. <laughs> well, you know, well, hey, wait a minute. They told me no. in phase two that this was going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it does propose problems, but then, you know, much like, I mean, if you have a colostomy, you travel sure. with colostomy supplies and everything. And we just travel with, you know, we have to travel with an emergency bag as well and 
try and cover all the bases. So right. we always have more equipment, more, you know, we travel with legs, which gets exciting, you know, because, like, I'll put mine in the overhead bin at the, you know, airport because I'm not going to check through my leg in case they lose my bag. Yeah. So then, you know, you you have a little humor because you can ask the gentleman that sits in the seat of, ahead of you, you know, uh, sir, can you can you get my leg down out of the bin, please? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. We have yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I I can imagine some of the stories. I, I just, um, but it, we'll shift gears a little here. And so you've okay. been you've been very active as an advocate in, in the limb loss community, as as you've mentioned and we've discussed, and obviously your stories imply. Uh, now, how has the landscape changed for amputees over that time? Uh, you know, you you've been an amputee for. I, I twenty think, almost twenty five years. Okay, so yeah, over two decades. And well, there was the amputee coalition had started just before I became an amputee, and I was very very lucky to have heard about them. So I, they have national conferences. They have now have regional conferences. In fact. We just had a limb loss education day up in Berkeley, California. Okay. So a few of us traveled up for that. And it's a one-day um, educational and adaptive um, sports kind of day. Yeah. So that was – that. it's always good. You know, it's always – it's always motivational and everything yeah. for everybody oh, to imagine. go up and participate in that. But we do have the national. And then um, we have um, – uh, it's just it's just social media has helped. Oh, I'll bet. Because it's tough yeah. to connect everyone. Now there are online support groups through Amputee Coalition – through some of the major prosthetic firms. Um, there are, you know, chat rooms. Yeah. There are informational sites, websites for all of the manufacturers of legs. I mean, sometimes, and sometimes that is beneficial, and sometimes it just gets people oh, I want this leg, I want yeah. that, you know, and they don't necessarily, I mean, they're seeing the sales pitch. They're yeah, not yeah, yeah. seeing how it would be, how it would work for them necessarily. But yeah. um, but there are all these avenues for people to get information now. And yet we still have amputees who face amputation without a peer visitor. Mm. We still have people who go through amputation and not know about the amputee coalition who don't have internet access and so don't necessarily hear about acute rehabs. Right. Because I think we see fewer than 50% really? of amputees holy cow and um in that time and support groups 
we've had a support group for 25 years. Um, but we get maybe 25 people. Huh. I have over 400 on my database. Right. Wow. Wow. Who so are we truly reaching amputees? I don't, you know, I don't know. And then the statistics came out, and this is what has changed, I think, in the past 25 years for sure, is that our diabetes rates have have gone sky high. Yeah. Vascular problems, and I think that these people just died before, you know, and yeah. and our certainly our patients with sepsis died, yeah, you know, years ago. Yeah. Whereas now we are able to save a lot of people and save them by doing amputation. Yeah. So we can get rid of that of the infection. The uh, the clots, the vascular problem by cutting it off yeah. and making them an amputee, and surely our our um, resources for amputees are better now than they ever were. Media has you know shown amputees now in a positive light. Yeah, I grew up with. Long John Silver and Captain Hook. <laughs> you know, yeah. not very good role models. No, and no, I, 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 it makes me think of the summer games, and I just, it's incredible, some of these people. I mean, exactly. really, it's it's exactly. awesome. And they are put, I mean, they are put right in front of everybody, and it's it really is something special. I mean, uh, mainstream TV, yeah. you know, Grey's Anatomy. So we've got... Amputees on on all the shows, yeah. and so we're seeing positive, which we never have, and yet we'll get amputees in. I would say one out of four is still uh, almost suicidal. Wow! I, I would sooner have died than they doing an amputation. Well, it's, you it, know? Yeah, this it's. it's it, it's funny you bring that up. I was just listening to an interview uh, two weeks ago. Uh, they, they, it's a band that's been around for quite some time from England, but the drummer only has one arm. And he lost yeah. his arm in between two of their biggest records. In fact, he toured the, their biggest record. He toured uh, for the first time ever. They, he said, you, you guys should probably bring another drummer, but I'm going to try this. And yes. he's had, uh, I, I don't know if you if you know who I'm talking, you probably do, the, the band Def Leppard. I uh, cannot yes. think of the guy's name, though. Um, anyway, uh, his story is incredible. I mean, right. other, and and yeah, the, literally, I remember being, uh, that record, their biggest record came out when I was, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11. And I remember seeing the videos on MTV and it was fine. Like there was, it was, yeah, dude's got one arm, but crushing it, you know? And it's right. just, it's awesome. It really is awesome. But his, his story in particular, good. I wish I could remember his name. Anyway, the band's Def Leppard. They're great. Everybody's heard of them. Uh, but right. that's just to your point. It's just, it, 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 these people are out there and it's inspiring. It, it really is. Um, and then what, what we're dealing with now is, on the advocacy 
screen is that um, we are, well, we're not only having to advocate for um, for the uh, parity, you know, of insurance, because some states are still fighting, hey, that, you know, we consider uh, a leg, a prosthetic leg as uh, DME, so durable medical equipment, and we have a $100 cap on that. Oh, I see. Yeah, so, I mean, those, uh, yeah, they just, yeah. So we don't <laughs> have to deal with that, but we have, it's Limb Loss Awareness Month this month, which is April, that and um, so we're we're wearing our orange ribbons with, uh, you know, amputee uh, limb loss awareness months written on them, and and we're doing our support groups and we're doing interviews and you know lots of lots of activities for limb loss awareness month, um, but. The other night, well, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a news story that came out, and it okay. said this, and the highlight of it was Central Valley's really high, extraordinarily high amputation rate. Hmm. Well, we all zoomed in on that story. Yeah, I'm sure. And it was horrifying because, I mean, I know that we have high diabetes rates. Yeah. I know that we have high amputation rates. But I had no idea they were as high as they are, and yet it just kind of, it it was shocking. So we have 60 per 100,000 people, and we have 500,000 people in Fresno anyway. I mean, that's our population here, five to 600,000. So, I mean, 60 per 100,000 are amputated per year, and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's 600 a year, blah, 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 blah. You know, in in our valley, we have a million people, so I'm, okay. And that's, that's, you know, fits in with my statistics. Okay, that's okay. But it was 60 per 100,000 people, and L.A. was only 40. For 100,000. Or 30. 30. I'm sorry. 30 per 100,000. So we're double LA? Please. And then San Francisco was 25 per 100,000. Okay. Well, that. (laughs) What is wrong? That one, I I mean, I, I get San Francisco being kind of low just because of. You know the the progressive nature of that area. I, I, I yes, I'm, and the different population. Yeah, uh, Asian American, um, uh, white, young, high tech. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. get that. Yeah, I can't. And can't then imagine. I thought, well, good for you, LA, at thirty per one hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. That's not too bad because that's not too much higher than. San Francisco, and yeah. you've got all the all the multicultural influences. Wow! Yeah. But then Fresno, sixty per one hundred thousand. Yeah, that's we a big double. number. I'm surprised by that. I really am. I mean, if you, I, 
I well, was shocked. I don't want to call out any other regions, but <laughs> if you would have mentioned some other regions in the U.S., I might have been like, oh, okay. Um, but not, not necessarily Fresno. Um, well, so I know I see a lot of amputees, but yeah. that was... And then I'm thinking, but we only had 100, say, at San Joaquin last year. Hmm. Where are they? Yeah, that's How come they're concerning. not getting the same opportunity that those hundred got. And that's what I feel bad for. And that's where we need to advocate. Yeah. Because obviously doctors, case managers, discharge planners, families don't know that that option exists. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly not. And there are only two acute rehabs in Fresno. But so even they, if we... What are they okay, doing with these people? Even if we doubled and said, okay, well, so 200 get acute rehab. Wow, that's Still, another yeah. 400 are out there who didn't get acute rehab. It, and what are their outcomes going to be like? Exactly. I mean... As we discuss near the top of this, it's yeah okay. There's there's having all the the resources of like here's how this works and the physical therapy, the occupational therapy, but the mental part of this is having that person. Yes. I mean, your quality of life is compromised. It's got to be compromised yes. uh, substantially. Obviously, you you're an amputee. There's that, but. Uh, moving on, you're just compromised relative to anybody who's gone into acute rehab. I mean, it's, it, it, yes. I don't, I, I really am kind of scratching my head. Um, so uh, on that note, I mean, uh, you've, you've talked about in general that the resources that are out there, uh, can you speak specifically to some, some uh, particular websites, social media channels, and things like that that people might be able to access to, to get more information? Well, I mean, besides ours. Sure, yeah. Is Amputee Coalition okay. would be the number one site that I would hope people would go to. Yeah, you've mentioned that um, a few times, so yeah. And, and that's, you know, Amputee I think it's hyphencoalition.org. But uh, on that site, they can find a peer visitor locally. Oh, great. They okay. can find support groups across the nation. They can do the online support. They can have information sent to them, which is the same kind of information I hand out right. at the hospital which is like In Motion Magazine, First Step Magazines, Amplitudes. They can get pamphlets on every topic. They can, they can dial into advocacy that's happening all over the country and where their state, you know, lies. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, they and that's, can, that's important to note. I mean, uh, a, lot the you know, a lot of the discussion today has been, you know, kind of around California folks, uh, everything, just about everything that Liz is mentioning is, is, you know, for, is national. The, the amputee coalition is Absolutely. a national organization. So, sorry, I just wanted to get that in there. And there are peer visitors 
everywhere. Right. Uh, the Amputee Coalition has over a thousand amp, uh, peer visitors that are certified through the Amputee Coalition. Um, there are support groups, like I said, all over the nation, hundreds of them. And if, if you were in a very remote little place, you know, yeah. they, they can, they would hook you up even by phone. Our hope is that we do, you know, one-on-one course, yeah. and we do in-person peer visits. But certainly I have done a number on the phone, by Skype. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you name it, we'll do it. That's awesome. So, so whether you're in Boone's Mill, Virginia, or Fresno. Wherever it there's, is. There's probably we'll, a peer visitor that can They will find help. a peer and we contact them. And then we can then outsource those you know, then if it's a male, Hispanic male, with a double amputation, I'm certainly, I would do maybe the initial call, but then I'm certainly going to find a Hispanic male with right. both legs off that can address his issues directly. Sure. So that's the other thing is that it just becomes a very connected, community yeah and that's really really great to hear uh yeah it's it really is and hey real quick before i forget i it the the, the drummer from def leopard's name is is rick allen and if that's any, right if anybody is at all interested it, most people are familiar with their music to one way or another really this guy's right. story is amazing and and just check it out um but i just i the the OCD in me couldn't let that go, and I finally remembered his name. So Rick Allen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Liz, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, is there is there anything else that you would like to add? I mean, this has been great. We've been going on for 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 quite a bit now, but um, you you have kind of said it all, uh, at least I think. Um, but is there anything you'd like to leave uh, people with? Um, when it comes to being a new amputee is, is you're not alone. Awesome. You know, you don't have to go very far to find some support and, and education. And we can all use that. You know, we might be strong and, and be able to go through this. You know, we've gone through things before. We can go through this. There's no problem. But we can all use education. We can all use the support. And this is a new world. I mean, it is different being, you know, we can get back to our new normal. And it's pretty close to what we were doing before. But it is different. And even if we're doing okay, there's the next one coming up that might not, you know, that can benefit from yeah. your expertise. Yeah. And I, I just encourage all amputees to kind of get involved, yeah. you know, no matter how far out they are, because they may have a skill uh, modifying their motorcycle that I certainly don't have, although I know that it's out there. 
I don't know how to tell somebody how to modify their motorcycles so they right. can ride right. with their left arm gone now. You yeah. Know? yeah. But there's somebody out there, and we will, you know, if you reach out, we'll connect you. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. You know, and it is Limb Loss Education Month, so, you know, an awareness month, so, you know, try and get as much information as you can to live a better life because it's it's definitely, I think amputation has been a positive chapter in my life for sure. So. Yeah. See, there you go, folks. That would be it. You're not alone. Thank you, Liz. It really yep. is. It's been a real treat. I, I, this is really my first extended uh, conversation with you. And uh, I, I had a feeling it was going to be great. And I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak to us today. And uh, I hope, pleasure. I, I hope uh, uh, if you're listening to this, I, I really hope that this has been beneficial and, and um, things uh, it maybe connected some dots for you. And uh, that's, uh, I guess that's where we'll end it today. Liz, thanks again. And uh, folks, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Our guest today was Liz Zemke of San Joaquin Valley Rehabilitation Hospital. To learn more about life as a new amputee, check out the show notes on the Continuum blog at vibrahealthcare.com blog. If you enjoyed our conversation with Liz, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes as they're released.